time lord, I'm Daniel Levane, and until I started this podcast, I had never seen a single episode of Doctor Who, and now I am like a machine. I cannot stop watching these episodes. It's almost like I am compelled to continue the story, and what a story we've got this week. We are talking about episode 12 of season 1 the title of which is Bad Wolf. We are finally here. I've been asking almost every guest I've had, what the heck is Bad Wolf? And finally, we get to find out about it. So who better to join me for this epic episode than, well, my first ever guest in the podcast, the incomparable, the one and only, Eric Sweetman. Hello. How is everybody doing today? You you know they can't answer, right? Yeah, it's, I'm used to that. I, I have people that work for the same thing. <laughs> Hello, crickets. <laughs> I am true, used true. to being <laughs> greeted with silence, uh, which in a podcast is deadly. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm jumping right into it, everybody, uh, as is the norm on our podcast. We will spoil the episode. So if you have not seen Bad Wolf, please... Pause the podcast now, go watch the episode, and rejoin us so that we can all discuss and enjoy this. Wow, what an what a weird episode. What a weird way to start the episode. Weird is um, a good word for that. Yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, like the first half of this episode feels like a very dated episode. A, uh, like a very dated uh, reference to uh, or like like an episode of uh, Black Mirror that was shot and made in the 2000s and then like never shown until now. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, you're right. This this there are parts of this episode that didn't age well. Yeah, truth be known, the uh, uh, for anybody now who's welcome back after you've watched it, so you already know that this is what we're looking at. But it's basically um, so many years in the future, even a hundred years after the last time that the Doctor went to Satellite Five in the future, after he had destroyed that thing hanging from the ceiling with all the teeth. Yes, the the blob of meat, as yes. we described it in the <laughs> podcast before. Yeah. Uh, and it's the year two hundred thousand one hundred. Yes, and so uh, in this, the satellite is filled with television programs. They are recording and broadcasting all sorts of television shows, and a lot of them are uh, callbacks to what we were watching back in two thousand and five. You know, there is. Uh, um, Big Brother is a popular show, and apparently the Big Brother house, they've got like at least 60 of them going on at the same time in this mm-hmm. in the satellite. And the other Which one, is a reduction, according to the one of the characters. <laughs> in the, It's a reduction. They used to have a lot more houses going at that time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's also uh, The Weakest Link, which, you know, that, that game show that uh, had people doing trivia and answering and competing against each other to see if you, you know, you had to do strategy because as each person was uh, gave their answers, you could find out if they were going to be um, hard to beat at the end or easy to beat. And if you were lucky enough to get to the end, it was just all or nothing against this one person. And so is- they, they've recreated it here. 
And it's it's interesting um, that I'm watching, I'm going through this uh, at this specific time uh, in that uh, just recently uh, there was a relaunch of The Weakest Link with Jane Lynch. Oh, okay. <laughs> so while I was, you know, watching the episode, I was like, oh, wow, uh, because I, I had to research a little bit of this uh, when I watched the episode. The Weakest Link in the United States only aired for like a couple of seasons. It wasn't mm-hmm. like uh, Millionaire, uh, which was another big show that was imported from the UK to here uh, that is still running. Like Millionaire still has new episodes of it. Uh, Weakest Link kind of came and went really quickly. Right. Um, what was the name of the guess, original host? Uh, her Anne name uh, is uh, Anne Robinson. Okay. And the, and they reference her, you know, the android. Right. Uh, which at first I was like, is that like a like a, a dig on um, uh, what's the name of that guy that wrote all the uh, the android movies the. Um, uh, do uh, do androids dream of electric sheep? Oh, um, Philip K. Dick. The, yeah, uh, like yeah. is that a Philip K. Dick like reference or? We don't do uh, dick jokes and, here. But dum dum. Waka waka. But then very quickly they she go oh and droid right uh which i i I got a chuckle lot and i'm pretty sure i didn't look at that uh part of the credits but i'm pretty sure she she even voiced it (laughs) what was funny about that is that uh they had written and whatnot and then said uh offered it to her and then hadn't heard back so they assumed that they weren't going to get her at all and they Mm -hmm. had a uh, standby uh celebrity impersonator ready to go and then she goes yeah i want to do this so it is ann robinson doing the android voice which is uh, it's hilarious because uh i guess she she did both the uk and the u.s version the uk version actually ran longer Mm -hmm. uh which is why it would make sense that the the weakest link would have still been running in the uk when this show was written and aired yeah um so that at least makes a little bit more sense um but as far as uh, i I know it was still fresh in the united states at that time, I don't remember. Well, it was what... 2003. By the time this uh, would have aired in, in late 2005, uh, the, the show would have been off, off the, air. you know, well, 2003 was the last season that they produced. Oh, okay. So it would have been off the air by two years. So it would well, have been a somewhat dated reference, but it would have still have been, you know, in in the, you know, would parlance still know the catchphrase and everything. Right. Whereas, Big Brother uh, apparently ran in the UK until just two years ago. Like mm. it ran from the year 2000 until 2018. Well, didn't it run um, in the states, or is it still running in the states? I don't. I, don't I know. think it may still be running in the states. Good God. Uh, I'm not <laughs> sure. I don't watch those episodes, which is what like the whole first half of this episode is this big sort of what is happening, what you know. What's uh, what's entertainment it, for this year? This, this right, yeah. and and it's interesting because it's the first time that the doctor doesn't know what's happening, right? Uh, in a genuine way, like a lot of times, I feel like the doctor will let on less than he actually knows. So you know, Rose, he'll play it up to Rose, like, oh, I really don't know what's happening, but he does. Uh, whereas in this episode, he is genuinely perplexed as to what is happening. 
and as the information comes out, he becomes more and more concerned for the well-being of uh, specifically Rose. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's almost ambivalent towards uh, towards Jack when mm-hmm. he, they finally do get reunited, but his driving concern is is Rose. But in in the process of all of that is happening. Um, there was something that sort of stuck out because I've heard this word before. So I, I have a feeling that it, it does have something to do with the future of Doctor Who. But during the um, the the weakest link version uh, segment, uh, there is a question that is asked about an old Earth Institute, mm. and the answer to that question was Torchwood. Yes. Is there anything that you can expound on that? I could. <laughs> um, one, uh. That, uh, that Torchwood is a, uh, um, an anagram of Doctor Who. When you put those, oh. yeah, they all use, they both use the exact same letters. So that's part of it. Um, there will be a lot more that uh, comes from, like the mentioning of Torchwood becomes a much, much, much bigger thing sooner rather than later. Um, so I can just say, like, for all of your listeners who have uh, who have seen these episodes before, have followed through this a little bit more um, beyond this first season, they'll know what's going to come up with this. They, they will be aware. It is something that um, I think when we get to the second season there'll be more to talk about with it. Okay. So I, it, it seemed like it it's was spoiling. something, <laughs> I, it, it felt like it. I, I've heard the term or the word before Torchwood, uh, but that's cool that it's an anagram. I didn't think about that. <laughs> um, these clever writers, I tell you. Mm, well, Russell, um, Russell Davies is amazing. You know, he, he, yes. really, he really thought through a lot of stuff. Um, so while we're still talking about the the game shows that they are all placed, um, they're all deadly. Let's add that. Let's make sure they're all deadly. Really, like if you lose, you die. That's the you, big thing. <laughs> you get disintegrated. Uh, but I love that Jack lands in some sort of makeover show. Yeah, what not to wear, or <laughs> some some other tragic, you know, horribly advanced version of that with more more robots doing the thing. Right. And and the way that uh, Jack seems to be like the cavalier version of do- of the doctor, right? They both mm. seem to have some sort of upper hand in the situation almost at all time. Their knowledge seems to always play into, oh, I know how to stay one step ahead kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the fact that in a very weird like pulp fiction moment the jack captain jack uh what's his hartness. last name hartness. hartness captain jack hartness pulls out a deluxe <laughs> laser comp or a compact laser deluxe hidden i mean Somewhere. Like, <laughs> it's like a christopher walken moment you know this laser was in my ass <laughs> I wore this uncomfortable hunk of junk for two episodes. 
yeah, only yeah, he, to he, get he, away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, him, like, that's a compact laser deluxe. Where were you hiding that? You really don't want to know. <laughs> you don't want to know. Uh, like that was that that moment. Uh, there's been a lot of really funny moments in the last few episodes uh, that have genuinely caused uh, laughter to evoke for me. Like the the quintessential laugh out loud moment that a lot of people talk about but don't actually do. Right. Like I'm legitimately laughing out loud at that joke because it just seemed so weird. Oh well, uh, with but, the defabricator. Um, one of the things I learned about that is that in England, because their um, their censoring stuff is a little different, you know, they they mm-hmm. let a little bit more stuff through than what we would. Well, they were going to have uh, Captain Jack completely bare ass naked uh, from the rear, and mm-hmm. they decided no, where we we are not going to do that because Doctor Who is considered to be much more of a family friendly show. So that mm. they did not want to uh, alienate their audience. That was the only time, apparently, during the entire first season, that the uh, the BBC stepped in and said, "We're not doing that." They had filmed oh. it, but they said, "No, we're not. We're not airing it that way." <laughs> well, John Barrowman looked like he was very proud of the his his presence on it. He did not look uncomfortable. No, he's uh, he's pretty comfortable, dude. Yeah, he's he's done a lot of uh, of stuff that is, um, you know, he's he's just proud of his body. And Ooh, back it, then, um, it you know, it was in full glory. So he's uh, he's pretty proud, <laughs> as well. He should. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now that we're like. Once we, you get past the the weird game show aspect of the first half of this episode, um, very quickly we start to realize um, that there is something nefarious happening here outside of just very deadly games. Uh, and once again, Bad Wolf comes in, and now mm. we see it on the floor of Satellite 5, the Bad Wolf Corporation. Yeah. Uh and then while in the in the game uh, while in the weakest link game the bad wolf corporation gets mentioned to Rose which triggers her to remember all of the times that bad wolf has been referenced in the show. Yeah, everything from graffiti on the TARDIS itself to um the uh Welsh phrase that is uh, during the the last episode, I guess that you did with mm-hmm. uh, um, with the Slytherin and yeah, yeah, Boomtown. There's so many others. It's just constantly popping up. Uh, the the um, young lady uh, in the what was it the uh, uh, Dickens episode? Yeah, she yes, she uh, mentions and the Unquiet Dead. Yeah, exactly. So she mentions uh, the big bad wolf and. Um, I want you to remember that actress. Not worry about Gwyneth. it quite yet, but remember remember who she is. And uh, then as we continue forward, um, you'll be able to get some referencing back to her in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, so, so finally, we, we know that all these words, uh, you know, maybe are, are definitely tied to this Bad Wolf Corporation. Um, and we'll talk about the big reveal in a minute, but um, 
I, we get some really interesting tidbits. You know, I feel like every show reveals a little bit more about the doctor. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in this one, I really found it striking when he is talking to the contestant that he, you know, the doctor always trying to be the savior. Yes. (laughs) Uh, You know, he, he brings her out uh, and he's trying to figure out how to locate Rose and they're having a conversation uh, and she basically says, you know, w- what's your game? And he goes, you know, I'm just a traveler wandering past. Believe it or not, all I'm after is a quiet life. Which seems like the polar opposite of what has happened, at least in what we have seen for the doctor's life. Everywhere he goes, something always happens that goes wrong. Uh, so that seemed like a very interesting statement. Is there... Am I reading too far into it? No, I think you've um, you've got it right because he does. I think he does want a quiet life. Every version of the Doctor wants to live in a world where it's just peaceful, where it's uh, like things you don't have to escape from anything, you don't have to outrun anything. That things are just good. And the problem is in the universe that there's a lot of folks out there, a lot of creatures out there that don't want it to be peaceful. That, you know, he's trying to overcome these horrible things from the, uh, from the time wars in the past and everything that, uh, that had led up to this moment. It's like, yeah, you, maybe he's tired. Maybe it's this, the, the dream of taking a moment to not be running all the time. A quiet life would be mm-hmm. um, just a break, just a like. How would you want to live out your retirement? You know, this this guy is really a lot older than he looks. Maybe he just thinks it's time to settle down by the old fishing hole and uh, bring in a, a new catch every every evening for dinner, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. But he can't because he's the only one who can do what he does. And if nobody else is out there to defend these innocent people, you know, I mean, these people are getting disintegrated for losing a game that shows on television. And yet it's in a world that he inadvertently helped create a hundred years earlier. Yeah. Which I, I found super interesting that, um, this is the, you know, the, this episode shows the ramifications of the cavalier sort of i and i hate to demean it down to like the the american sort of way of thinking of i fixed it so clearly it's going to stay fixed right kind of thing where you know the doctor is like oh you know that was me i did it i shut down all of those channels and then this girl is sitting there telling him it's like well that that was the beginning of the collapse. That's what brought yeah. on a hundred years, hundred years of hell. Yeah, I mean that's that's a huge deal uh, for something that the doctor is like, oh yeah, I, I fixed it. I just you know destroyed the the thing and I just left. And you know I figured everything's gonna work out the way it's supposed to. And you know it, it just shows that sometimes. Uh, you know, the concept or the if you haven't seen that episode uh, in the long game, the the idea is that the station was producing all of the news 
that the human race was consuming. And that by shutting down all of that news, they were thrown into chaos. Because uh, imagine if all of a sudden nothing ever came to you. No internet, no, you know, nothing ever shows up again. You don't know what's happening. Of course, th- of course, things are going to go wrong. And it's it's interesting because at the moment we see him destroyed the uh, Max as he was addressed by the editor. Uh, we see him destroy it, and then he's like, "Hey, you guys, take care of it." He jumps in the TARDIS and he takes off. And now we see he, I mean, he completely left this future portion of Earth in complete and utter disarray and made it worse and allowed for this bad wolf corporation to apparently continue because the implication was that the bad world world bad wolf corporation was also responsible for instituting uh, max into the satellite and, and having it controlled. Um, so that's, that's a big deal. True. And I think the uh, part of the the issue isn't so much um, that he left, although for him, it hasn't been that long. You know, we've seen his adventure Mm -hmm. through the series to know that this is um, like if he never, ever, ever goes back, then, okay, these are the events that happened. You know, you jump back into this timeline 100 years down the road. um, Then if normal people like us would never be able to affect anything it's like oh my god a hundred years have passed this is this is it but uh the doctor does have the ability to jump back into a timeline at some point now yes they say these are the uh the events that um become set you become part of the the history by being in it um Mm -hmm. but i think that what some of the big problems with this was is that the like it wasn't just that he left it, but that there was something else that knew that he left it, that it wasn't exclusively what happens by itself. It is being directed. The person in charge of the, um, uh, the programming that the, the cybernetic woman, who's the, like, what is she? The controller? Is that what they called her? Um, she mm-hmm. had, people or things in charge of her. So those outside forces, the people, the, the, the overlords that we don't see had their own mission as they took over these things. So these horrible, violent shows weren't just created because mankind needs more and more graphic violence in their television enjoyment. There was a purpose. There was a gradual development based on the needs of these other things. Well, and the doctor even says it. He he says... This whole bad wolf thing's tied up with me. Someone's manipulating my entire life. The implication I gathered was that the the same bad wolf corporation that has clearly been steering this specific future timeline down this horrific path has somehow also been manipulating the doctor into basically doing these things for the corporation, for this entity. 
I think you might not have all the information. And mm-hmm. so on some of where you are slightly off, that's more of a uh, um, season finale kind of thing. For this show, we are given the question of what is going on? Why is this thing continuing? Why you do see that? And I can easily see where you're getting the, um, like the, the Bad Wolf Corporation is what's responsible. And I feel like that is, it's understandable, but it's not quite the truth. Mm. And you'll get that when you watch the next episode. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, after, after his reunification, that's a word, yeah, that's right? The right word. You know, reunification <laughs> uh, after he, uh, Jack and, and uh, the doctor are uh, reunited again, it is abundantly clear that the doctor's number one mission is now to save Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as they're rushing to find her and to get in, she finds herself in the most amount of peril because, uh, as you indicated, her competitor basically kept her because he knew that he could beat her in the end and thus he would be guaranteed safety while she and would wealth. perish. Yeah. <laughs> and wealth, yes, yeah, some credits. Uh, and as she is being asked these final rounds of questions, uh, you know, you know that moment where you're watching Jeopardy and you know one of the answers and so you feel like you are not as dumb as you may actually be? <laughs> I had that moment where she is asked about the oldest being and blah, blah, blah. And immediately <laughs> I shouted, Bo. the face of Bo, <laughs> which happened to appear in one of the episodes that you and I talked about. Yeah, yeah, the first time I ever saw the face of Bo was in the, the, the world's episode, end yeah. or the, the end of the world. Yeah. Uh, and then he, uh, the face of Bo is tied to the whole bad wolf because he was appearing in the bad wolf channel. The mm. last time we were in satellite five. So in the year 200,000, uh, so I, I I was very proud of myself. I like patted myself on the back. I'm like, I knew one answer. I'm maybe a nerd. I think it was <laughs> obvious that it was going to be that answer, but I was proud of myself anyways. Well, most people aren't <laughs> going to remember it. You know, even those who watch the show, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you tend to forget. Time goes by and it's like, who is the world's oldest thing? And you're thinking, oh, Mel Brooks and the 6,000-year-old man. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, gosh, at that point, he'd be the 200,000 and 2,000-year-old man. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but uh, um, the face of Bo is older. Yeah. The face of Bo is older. Uh, there was a moment that really bugged me, and this is like stepping out of the show. Like, Nerd Daniel was really bothered by the fact that the eyes in the android, whenever they like did the real extreme close up on it, it, it's obvious that it's two little light bulbs, but they're not centered on her eye sockets. No, I so think it looks like she's to... got a weird, like, cross-eyed thing. It wouldn't surprise me if they got it so that the person inside could see. Yeah, these mm. are not the most well-designed costumes, and which is a surprise considering one of my favorite things about that original or that that second episode with when we got introduced to Facebook mm-hmm. oh, was the costume. You know, the I remember just going off on how beautiful the trees were 
Oh yeah, not, yeah. not everything is going to be up at that same level, obviously. Well, it, it it didn't bother me. The design didn't bother me because it was very sort of pop culturey robot. Yeah. You know, it, it uh, there was that movie years ago called Robots, where all the robots had that weird like pop culture American look to them, and the that's what that reminded me of. Or, I don't. Yeah, it was just called Robots. Okay, uh, yeah, and it was like, a. Uh, Ewan McGregor was guy. one of the voices. Yeah, that was um, a uh, uh, designed by the same guy who uh, did Roly Poly Oly and yeah, uh, yeah, Guardians. That, uh, the, yeah, that Guardians movie with the um, Rise of the Guardians. Um, yes, with yes, Jack yes. Frost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he, you know, I, I, the 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 design of the robot didn't bother me. It's just. And you know, it's only it's only really noticeable when they did those extreme close-ups right. on the Anne robot that the freaking eyes are not looking in the same direction. So she's either completely cross-eyed, or they're clearly just props. And it just that bugged me a little bit because it's a little tiny detail. But you know, as as somebody that has worked with puppets and somebody that mm. has worked with things that should look like they're looking at you. It bothered me just a little <laughs> bit, so I wanted to know. I, I wanted to mention that with somebody that would appreciate it, like you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> having having seen some really bad eye placement in other uh, things, um, yes, I can I can say that this was not good. I understand why they might have done it, and you know, it's really they didn't need to do any close ups of this thing. I know they they were. Showing how the uh, the uh, like you are the weakest link, and then the big laser thing mm-hmm. shoots out of her mouth. Um, yeah, it still didn't need to be that close. You didn't need to look at her so much, but yeah. fine. Um, it's a it was a, it was a choice. Yeah. I just yeah. I'm sure nobody thought about it because you know maybe most Anne people Robinson don't think about it. it. I don't know. I haven't looked. Mm-hmm. May, may, yeah, maybe <laughs> she is. Maybe they maybe they paid attention to the details and I didn't. <laughs> Um, but that, of course, leads us to they, you know, they charge into the room and the robot does open her mouth and fire the thing. And Rose is reduced to dust mm-hmm. and the doctor behaves exactly like I expected him to. He basically shuts down. Yeah. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't resist anything that happens after that. He is genuinely defeated. Whereas Jack surprised me because I, I mean, maybe they've had a few more adventures and a little bit more time than what we've seen on screen, but he's a relative newcomer to them. But Jack really, I mean, he was pissed and he's just out for, you know, almost revenge, it seems. Mm-hmm. As he is being subdued and and they're being escorted away, um, and that surprised me. I, I was very surprised by Jack's sort of uh, if it, like I, I keep saying that Jack and the Doctor are basically the same type of characters. Just one is the cavalier sort of American cowboy, and the other is the very sort of methodical, you know, level-headed uh, approach to everything. Right that that scene sort of cements it like 
Jack is pure emotion at that point. They're both grieving in a very realistic and relatable way. You Mm -hmm. know, some people grieve with that rage against it, you know, that denial that you've got to, that's not fair, you got to give it back, all that. The other is the, you know, completely caving in on itself and going into deep thought and um, quiet deliberation. You know, I can see how they're both having the same because one is a very cerebral character you know vast Mm -hmm. amounts of intelligence the other is much more of a physical acting person you know the actions speak louder than words it's not Mm -hmm. there's not that much deep thought in somebody like jack harkness um he's he wears it all on his sleeve so you can see that he is acting because it's the only thing he knows how to do he's trying to change things from a physical point of view and the yeah, doctor by use of force. Yeah, Whereas the doctor, the doctor is just fine. completely boom. Like he, he collapses. Uh, what I did like though, is that after sort of a, a, a weird cut scene in which the implication is the, some time has passed and they're being um, asked what is happening um, because Throughout the episode, there's these intercuts where we see what the control people are doing. And it is peppered throughout that it is obvious that they feel something is amiss, even though they work in this weird environment, creating these weird shows, something is amiss. And here's these guards basically questioning these people that seem off. And it's almost like, presumably you know some time has gone by uh, i think that was some clunky editing there but i i feel like the implication is hours or maybe a few days have gone by uh but then all of a sudden the doctor just turns to jack and he goes let's do it and jack knows exactly what that means and almost without you know any struggle whatsoever they're able to get out of that cage yeah as if like the doctor said, you know, I needed to take this time. I'm going to internalize. I'm not going to address anybody. I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm not going to answer any questions. I just need to sit here and process this. Yeah, and once and he was done processing it, he finally takes action. Right. Because he also knows that when you um, don't do anything, people will assume a lot of stuff about what's going on. You know, oh, he's not going to harm anybody. He's just shut down. That's, you know, that's, if you are a police officer and you see somebody who's done that, you're going to put your guard down. You're going mm-hmm. to assume that there is no threat here. And when, in, in the case of the doctor, that's the most dangerous time because, you know, he is never completely shut down. He is, you know, the, the mind is always working. And Jack knows him well enough at this point to uh, realize that, his earlier Jack's earlier bravado, his earlier physical actions, when turned into this being subdued and put into the, the cage, was exactly the same thing. Everybody's focused on him. He's shut down. So great, cool. We don't have to worry about Jack's Harkness anymore. This other guy isn't doing anything until he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's an interesting way of uh, outthinking the captors that. Uh, uh, their their actions, their reactions, it's just being all played out. 
you know, if you overreact and people constantly pay attention to you as the loud one, then the quiet one has time to do what he needs to do. Mm -hmm. Think it through. And uh, as we said, they, they break out. Uh, and then we are introduced to like that weird matrixy lady. Right. Um, yeah. The, the what controller. was her name? Like, the I controller. Yeah. Controller, so, yeah. And boom, it comes out that she, she's planned this whole thing. She on purpose brings the doctor in. She hides him in the games because she knows that her masters aren't paying attention to the game which to me implied that all of these things uh, and, you know, it, 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 it feels a little heavy handed coming from a TV show. Mm -hmm. uh, but the implication being that, you know, these were shows that were meant to sort of uh, placate. Yeah. You know, they were supposed to. The opiate kinda, for the masses. Right. You know, a, a little bit of uh, dumbing down of the societies because, yeah. you know, after, after hundreds of years of sort of being left to, you know, have nothing to entertain them, nothing to educate them, nothing to do, but, you know, suffer. Um, well, of course you're going to be entertained, uh, by whatever. And what's the easiest way to create entertainment, but, you know, through, uh, these reality TV shows that can be quickly and cheaply produced uh, at, at a scale that we see in, you know, satellite five uh, at it, it's, it's pretty daunting, but, you know, it, once again, she, she reveals that this has been a plan of hers all along. So presumably for at least uh, a good part of her existence, she's the one that's sort of been trying to get the doctor figured out who the doctor is and trying to get the doctor to where he is or where she is mm -hmm. by using that transporter beam that pulled him out of the TARDIS, uh, which he even admits that's, that's a heck of a feat to be able to yeah, pull him out of a ship. Happen that would have required a lot of power and here she is. And she basically tells him this whole thing has gone wrong because there's this invisible villain, these invisible entities that have been, you know, amassing and gathering and growing in numbers. Uh, but they're afraid of you. Yeah. And then we get the big reveal that there is 200 Dalek ships with 2,000 Daleks per ship. Yeah. Holy sugar honey iced tea. That's a way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's like, you, you know, the damage that one Dalek can cause. And right. now we see like, half a million. And I saw the fear in the doctor's eyes the first time he met the Dalek in um, uh, in an earlier episode. Mm -hmm. And for him to just have that fear over one, and now you're looking at 200 ships with 2,000 Daleks per ship, and he's almost not faced by it. Like he's well, clearly worried, but it's not the, the, the fear. Maybe it's because he's not face to face with it, 
but well, it was the it's also like he the the whole time war that was doctor who or the doctor against the daleks all of the docs time lords right that, daleks so the, the implication and and one more thing and then i'm going to ask you a bunch of questions okay um jack uh, going into this room that the controller said, you know, it's out of bounds. And of course it was out of bounds because that's where she had stashed the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. He has a key, which, okay, what? He has a key? Like I thought that was special that Rose had a key. How does he have a key? But he gets into the TARDIS and he comes back and he goes, the TARDIS figured it out. And he demonstrates that these disintegrator beams are not actually disintegrating. They're just teleporting all these humans in in time and space and that mm. Rose is alive. And so when the, the big reveal that there's all these Daleks, the Daleks realize, oh, crap, we've been found out. Mm-hmm. Let's engage. They're saying, hello, doctor, you're going to do this for us because we've got your companion. Mm-hmm. Um, that just which, made him mad. Right. And that, like, that moment, he looks at them and he's like, I'm going to save you, Rose, and I'm going to destroy you guys. And it's freaking you out that you don't know what my plan is. And booyah. Yeah. And that's pretty much the end of the episode anyways. Um, And it's probably one of the greatest uh, uh, cliffhanger endings of that series. Holy crap. I mean, (laughs) being surrounded by a bunch of, you know, mask wearing, you know, zombie like people saying, are you my mummy? Are you my mummy? That was Mm -hmm. that was pretty creepy. That was pretty intense. Holy crap, man. And now knowing how menacing the one dalek can be that's intense yeah so here here come some questions right. one dalek fell to earth and landed in somewhere roswell new mexico or whatever 50 years uh in the past from the year 2012 that's what um that's what the, the the guy that created the internet was harvesting and holding in his underground bunker. Mm-hmm. Okay, the doctor goes. Well, maybe he fell through a rift in time. Mm-hmm. Two hundred ships. He destroyed them. He's talked about it. He tells that one Dalek, "I did it. I destroyed your entire race." And in that episode, the implication being that in doing so, he also doomed his own planet. How the heck? I mean, I, I get it. If if it's spoilery, you're going to tell me. But did I miss something? No, no. The I mean, there's like to tell you exactly how they all came there. You'll you'll get that next episode. It's it's not hidden. But the idea is that, you know, if this happened then, if, you know, in that other episode where the one fell through, Mm -hmm. then it's not unreasonable to think that another one couldn't fall through at a different point. You know, it is still a time. If you are battling outside of time, then different tears could send you to a whole different time. Sure. 
So that and and if you're thinking one, you know, they, yes, you could put in one. You don't have to think about uh, half a million. So don't think about half a million. Think one. Hmm. And the other question I have: Are they bad wolf? Spoilers. okay so bad wolf lives on for at least one more more episode episode. you will find all (laughs) the answers that you need next week (laughs) oh my gosh i know well this i'm so jealous that i'm not getting to talk about that one with you that uh i know you've got somebody else lined up for your uh partner in crime on that one but man you're gonna you're gonna be like whoa at the end of that that episode. It'll be, yeah, it's, that, it's a great one. I'm I'm just <laughs> this this run. I one it feels like just yesterday I started watching the show, uh, and genuinely after uh, the, after the long game, really after the the, <laughs> the 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 least favorite of mine of the episodes in Satellite Five. I feel like every episode from that point forward just build Father's Day amazing oh my episode. God, that's extraordinary. You know, um, the empty child, so awesome. Mm-hmm. The the doctor dances, great conclusion, so euphoric. You know, everybody lives, Rose, like just and some that great smile, moments. That that enigmatic, just the beaming smile of the mm-hmm. doctor when you get to see that. It happens so much, but it's wonderful to see that because he is capable of such dark thoughts, such oh, sure. you know, such contemplative and deep, serious things happening. And then he just throws it aside in a second and beams. And the boy, when everybody, um, that, that one where doctor dances is mm-hmm. pure joy. And, and then we get, uh, Boomtown, which is also just so much fun and so much information and so much doctor stuff, <laughs> and, and and all of it to you know get to Bad Wolf, and holy crap! I mean that's that's leading to uh, that that's going to be a heck of a season finale, and I cannot wait to get to it. So. Did I miss anything? Is there anything that I should have noticed that I didn't? I don't think so. I mean, I watched this episode again yesterday so that mm-hmm. I was trying to make sure that I was up on all of the the this, this stuff. I didn't want to do one of those uh, like I frequently do where it's, uh, well, yes, I saw that 15 years ago. And uh, as I recall, no, I wanted to make sure I was ready for it. And I think you hit all the elements. Now, I did make the, you know, because I'm not going to be doing the next episode with you, um, I did watch that final thing last night. So some of the stuff I was trying not to reveal mm. what I just refreshed myself up on the finale. Um, but I think I kept it all within the same episode, so we're good there. Um, yeah, everything else that you are dying to know about, you're going to find out next week. Um, well, I, if you have more questions, I, I'll be happy to come <laughs> back and talk about it. 
I cannot wait. Of course you will be back in this show. Um, we are heading into the second season, which uh, may or may not be the season that I finally get to see the coat that you have uh, worn in my presence. <laughs> so I am eagerly anticipating that, and I am sure you will be back. Um, but thank you so much for joining. Hey, thanks this for episode. having me. It was a pleasure. And <laughs> and thank you, the listener, for making it all the way to the end of yet another First Time Lord episode. Thanks, if you listener. like the podcast and you want to support us, please go to firsttimelord.com. There you will find all of our previous episodes. You can leave comments on the episodes. I have finally figured out what was wrong, and you are now actually able to leave a comment on those episodes, which oh, I would love to hear from you. Now. <laughs> <laughs> so I would love to hear from you if you have anything that you felt that I missed or anything that I didn't talk about or something that you thought we got wrong love to hear from you uh, on that website as well firsttimelord.com you will find a link to our patreon page or you can search for me on patreon i am daniel levain on patreon you can subscribe for five dollars and get these episodes as early as they're available and uh, for a few extra bucks you can even get some extras that aren't necessarily always included in the episode but that are fun little tidbits that happen sometimes behind the scenes you can also support the show by clicking on the merch store that's right first time lord has a merch store uh, we've got some shirts there available, and uh, we've got even some holiday shirts that are available uh, now that uh, we are, I guess, officially in the holiday season. So check those out, and uh, any support is greatly appreciated. But I guess uh, there is no more time but to head on out and watch that season finale of Doctor Who Season 1. Off you go, man. Do what you've got to do. Save the world.